that, that brings back memories right there now. Praise God. Hey, Terry, we could go on the road and be Mutt and Jeff. We'd be able to team call when left to let Fatty have it. Say amen right there. Mark chapter number five. It's a great blessing to be back tonight. And you don't want to miss tomorrow night. Dear, dear man of God, who's been a friend of mine over 30 plus years, Brother Barker and his wife's there tonight. He'll be preaching here tomorrow night. And I'm telling you, he's a man of God, a preacher. And maybe get Miss Jan to sing for you. She sounds like an angel when she sings. I mean that. It blesses me, and I love them dearly. Thank the Lord for their lives and their family. God is good. And I, I told Brother Barker, I'm going to tell him, the doctor is in the house, and the nurse made such a mess Monday and Tuesday, they got to bring a specialist in to clean it up. Say amen right there. We love them. And I love you, Pastor. I appreciate his burden and his zeal. And we've had that same philosophy at our church for 38 years. We like to sing and shout, and we like to go soul winning. We like to knock on doors. The devil don't care if you have great services here as long as it stays in here. Now let's get it out yonder. Let's reach the world for the cause of Christ, and the Lord is good. And good to see you tonight in the house of the Lord. You were recognizing the preachers, and Brother Fry's son walked in. I thought Brother Noah Fry's come back from the dead. And I miss that, dear man of God. And I thank God for all the members we have. There are people in this room tonight. We worshiped the Lord together when we was all teenagers. And I told Brother Eddie a while ago, I'm going to run a rabbit, okay? I'll be back in a minute. I told Brother Eddie a while ago, I said, I appreciate you still singing, still going to a good church, and still acting like you got some sense. You say, what's so big about that? Because there's a whole lot of them done going slap crazy. And I want to grab them by their ears. I'm smelling like smoke. Y'all pray for me. And say, look, that old-fashioned church was good enough to feed your carcass and clothe your body and put a roof over your head, and it's still good right now. I heard one guy say, well, I met a hypocrite a couple of times. Well, get over it. I'm sure they eat at Cracker Barrel. I'm sure they shop at Walmart. And I'm sure there's been a few hypocrites ate Krispy Kreme donuts. You think I'm going to let some hypocrite keep me from buying that cheap stuff up at Walmart? No. I want to tell you, there ain't no hypocrite going to keep me from no Krispy Kreme either. I felt Jesus on that point, didn't you? When you go by that case, and they're coming off that conveyor belt. Hallelujah. They're laying under that spout where the holy manna comes out. Just to look at it, Brother Barker, it's a work of art. You start slobbering when you look at it. You take that first bite. And it's a half moon. And by the time you take the second bite, it's a total eclipse. Amen. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Turn to somebody beside of you tonight and say, you look better with your mask on. Brother Barker, you're not going to do that. Or you're not going to fall for that. I love you, buddy. I'm glad you're going to be here tomorrow night. Thank God for your life.
I love people. And I get criticized all the time, pastoring that little church and preaching all these meetings. And I get criticized for that. And people tell me, you know, you just need to be an evangelist. You just need to get rid of that church and just be an evangelist. There's two reasons why I ain't done that yet. Number one, Julie don't want me to do it. Number two, the Holy Spirit has never told me to do it. I can't help it. I got a pastor's heart. I enjoy preaching meetings. I enjoy preaching jubilees and camp meetings. I like it. But I got a pastor's heart. I love people. I love them dearly. You say, why do you love people? Because I am one. I love needy people because I am one. I love people that need God because I am one. I'm glad we're laborious together tonight with God. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 5. We're going to break in this powerful text in verse 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. I love verse 24, And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. We'll leave off the narrative in verse 24, and we'll pick it back up again now. In verse number 35, but what happens in between these two readings, that's when that woman with that issue of blood pressed through that crowd and touched Jesus and Jesus touched her. And there are two things about that that I really like. Number one, you can't get lost in a crowd. Doesn't matter how many people are trying to get to Jesus, you can't get lost in a crowd. You know what kind of Savior he is tonight? He can save 10,000 people at the same time and yet save everybody one at a time. He is a personal Savior. You can't get lost in a crowd. Something else about this I like, there are no boundaries, borders, or limits to what God can do. Every time I read this text, I'm reminded of that old song in the 50s. It is no secret what God can do, what He's done for others, He can do for you. We pick back the reading now in verse number 35. And while He yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? I'd like to say to that person, They're not troubling the master. By the way, when you and I call on him for help, we're not troubling him either. Honey, we've been invited to the throne of grace. Can I say that again? We've been invited to the throne of grace. The work of Calvary gave us access to the throne of grace. While troublest thou the master any further? Verse 36, And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, say this little phrase out loud with me, be not afraid, only believe. Say that with me again. Be not afraid, only believe. For the sake of time now, come down to verse number 41. And he took the damsel by the hand 
and said unto her, and the last time I tried to say that, three Pentecostal churches tried to book me. So it means, damsel, I say unto thee, rise. Verse 42, straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. You know what that little phrase means? Astonished with a great astonishment? That means they looked at each other and went, wow. Boy, I'm glad the God of the Bible will wow you because there's no boundaries and borders or limits to what he can do. I believe what you have before us tonight in this text is one of the most clear, vivid pictures of intercessory prayer that you'll find in all of the Bible. I want to thank God tonight for the doctrine of intercessory prayer. You say, what is that? That is prayers that we pray on behalf of one another. I'm thankful tonight for the intercession of the Savior. The Bible said that we have a great high priest that's making intercession for us. I'm thankful tonight for the intercession of the Spirit. Romans 8 says when we don't know how to pray or what to pray for, that the Spirit of God makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. But tonight I'm not only glad for the intercession of the Savior, the intercession of the Spirit, but I'm glad tonight for the intercession of the saints of God. I like the way the old preacher Paul put it to the young preacher Timothy. He said, I would that prayers and supplication and giving of thanks and intercession be made for all of the saints. And let me say it like this tonight. If there's somebody in your life that will pray for you, you are a blessed individual. Can I say that again? If there's somebody in your world that will go to God in prayer on your behalf, you are a blessed individual. I believe tonight the greatest thing that somebody could do for you is pray for you. I believe tonight the greatest thing that you could do for me is pray for me. And I'm glad tonight that we do serve the God that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. Aren't you glad the God we serve tonight is the alive God? Aren't you glad the God we serve tonight is the able God? But aren't you glad the God we serve tonight is the amazing God? But I'm really glad tonight the God we serve is the accessible God or the available God. I'm glad we can get a hold of him. And I'm glad he can get a hold of us because somebody got a hold of him. And the Bible is filled with illustration after illustration of somebody getting a hold of God and God getting a hold of somebody because somebody got a hold of him. I believe tonight that Abraham got a hold of God for his nephew Lot. I believe tonight that Moses got a hold of God for the nation of Israel. I believe tonight that Paul and Silas got a hold of God for that little infant church when they touched heaven for those believers. 
And I know this tonight, one day Jesus Christ got a hold of God for all of us because there's one mediator between God and man and that is the man, Christ Jesus. If you're sitting in this room tonight, say by the grace of God on your way to heaven, you're probably the result of somebody's answered prayer. The reason why a lot of us tonight are not already in hell is because somebody got a hold of God and God got a hold of us. I believe tonight America needs somebody to get a hold of God for it. I believe tonight our churches need somebody to get a hold of God for them. I believe tonight that the next generation, if they're going to see America and revival and religious freedom, they need somebody to get a hold of God for them. I'm glad somebody got a hold of God for me. And God got a hold of me because somebody got a hold of him. Aren't you glad he is a God you can get a hold of? And you can touch God and God can touch somebody because you went and got the Lord. Well, that's what you have in this text tonight. You have Jairus, this father, and he's got a little girl. She has a need. And it's bigger than daddy's ability to meet it. But daddy goes and gets a hold of Jesus. And Jesus comes to their house. And Jesus does for the daddy and the daughter what the daddy couldn't do for any one of them. I'm glad tonight when the mountain's too high and the ocean's too deep and the river's too wide and the burden's too heavy and the battle's too hot, I'm glad standing somewhere in the shadows is the Savior. You can get a hold of him tonight. He'll go home with you. He'll do for you what you can't do for yourself. In our text tonight, let me give you three things about uh, Jairus is intercessory prayer. Number one, think about this tonight. I want you to see the mandate that drove this man to Jesus. The mandate that drove this man to Jesus. You say, now, Brother Joe, why would you use such a strong word, mandate? Well, let me put it like this. What would cause this grown man to lay aside his religious garb his political connections, his work, his job, his reputation, and his livelihood, his standing in the community to go all the way across town and fall down at the feet of Jesus and beg him like a little child to come and touch that little girl. What would cause a grown man to do that? Well, if you've been listening to the introduction, I told you, he is a daddy with a daughter. He is a daddy with a daughter. And if you didn't get that, then you're not a daddy with a daughter. Because a daddy with a daughter is the most abused, manipulated human being on the face of the earth. And by the way, women in politics is nothing new. Julie's been the speaker of our house for 38 years. Because I'm telling you, a man with a daughter will do things he said he would never do. 
He will go places he said he would never go. He will buy stuff he said he would never buy. Cause that daughter looked up at him with that manipulating look she got from her mother. I feel conviction in your family. I feel conviction in your family. And she'll look up at him with those glassy eyes. And she'll quiver that bottom lip. And she'll say, oh, daddy, please. Mine come to me the other day. She said, oh, dad, I love to hear you preach the word of God. I said, you don't like to hear me preach. Get to it. What, what do you need now? How much do you need? Man, I made my brags all over America. Brother Allen, when I was a young, ignorant boy, preaching them youth conferences for you at Turner's Creek, I made, man, I hope you don't have any tapes of that. Man, I made my brags all over America how I hated cats. And the best cat was a dead cat. And the only thing cats were good for was target practice. And bless God, there'll never be a cat in my house. Boy, I wish I hadn't said that. Because one day that daughter said, Daddy, please, can we get a cat? Guess who got a cat? When we got that cat, I put my foot down. I said, you listen to me, that thing's a stinking animal. And it's going to stay outside. It ain't coming in this house. Boy, one night the lightning flashed and the thunder rolled and the wind blew and the rain descended. She said, oh, Dad, Flea Flea is out in the storm. It's going to get struck by lightning. The name of our cat was Roberta. And Roberta, come inside. Guess who came inside? Guess who jumped him to bed with me at 2 o'clock in the morning? That stupid cat. I told him when we got that cat, and I said, now listen to me, that thing's an animal. And if it gets sick... It's going to die. I'm not going to spend my hard-earned money on a stinking vet saving some cat's life. I'm telling you, if it gets sick, it's dead. One Monday morning before I went to the airport to fly out to preach, I had to do some last-minute visiting. And I didn't know that Roberta had climbed up in the motor of my car during the night. So when I cranked it up, fur flies everywhere. Man, I run around to the front and throw the hood up, and there it lays. You say, Brother Joe, what did you do? I called 911 what I done. I'll tell you exactly what I did. I took that little cat, what was left of it. I wrapped it up in a towel. I put it in a blanket. I put it in the back seat. I put on my emergency flashers. Honey, I run over blind people, crippled people, old people, handicapped people. I pulled into that vet parking lot on two wheels. I ran in that vet and I told that receptionist, I laid every credit card I had. I said, listen, if that stupid thing's got nine lives, I want to buy one of them before I get out of here. I've told that story all over America. and Most people never hear the sermon after this. They want to know at the end of the sermon, did the cat make it? That cat lived five more years, and when she went to law school, I gave it away. 
I did all of that because that little old girl crawled up in my heart and I'm a daddy with a daughter. And I got it even worse. I got five granddaughters. Ain't nobody man enough to have no man child around here. And I got five granddaughters and they all are blonde headed and blue eyed. Telling you we got drama. They're going to do a reality TV show on me and my grandbabies. Boy, I'll tell you, there's just something about being a daddy with a daughter. Well, Brother Barker, here's a daddy with a daughter. He loves he is like you love Rebecca. He loves he is like you do your four. I mean, I mean, your three and your wife. I thought she was your daughter. I didn't know that. And Terry, he loved her like you do Hannah over there. And he loved her like I, I do Joanna and Michaela and, 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 and McKenna and Holly and Heidi and Molly Kate. Whew. Don't ask me when their birthdays are, but I'm getting their names down. He loves that little girl. She's this little girl. And the Bible said in our text that she's at the point of death. They're not having a birthday party. They're not having a sweet 16 party. They're not having an honor roll party. According to the text, they're having a death watch. She's at the very point of death. That means the very next breath she breathes may be her last. The next time a little heart pulsates blood through her body could be her last. The next second that ticks off of the clock may be her last. She's raging with a fever. Her little eyes are rolled back in her head. The death sweat has come upon her brow. Her breaths are shallow. She's at the point of death. By the way tonight, do you realize who this man is? The Bible names him Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. Now that tells me a couple of things tonight. Number one, it tells me he was a religious man. He is not the ruler of a nightclub. He is not the ruler of beer joint. He's not the ruler of a bar. He's the ruler of the synagogue. He's not a drunk. He's not a thug. He's not a thief. He's not a profaner. He's not a cusser. He's not an abuser. He's a good, moral, religious man. Well, he can quote the Old Testament. He knows the books of Moses like the back of his hand. He is a good, religious, upstanding man. But his goodness and his morals and his religion was not enough to exempt him from the storms and the troubles and the trials of life. And his morals and his standards and his religion was not enough to save that little girl. He needed more than his devotion. He needed more than his morals. He needed more than his religion. He needed the God of his devotion and the God of his morals and the God of his religion. He's a religious man, but that in itself is not enough. Notice what the Bible calls him. It calls him Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. That tells me he is a man of power. He is a man of authority. He is a man that commands the soldiers in the temple. He is a man that literally gives orders to other grown men and they obey his command. 
but yet he has enough authority to command soldiers and tell grown men what to do, but he doesn't have the power or the ability or the authority to command the disease to leave the body of that little girl. He found there was something bigger than him, something more powerful than him, and his earthly position and his earthly power and who he was was not enough. I'll tell you something else I see in this text. He's got a daughter. No doubt he's got a wife. And he's got a house called Jesus comes to his house. So that tells me he is a man of money. He's a man of means. You say, well, how do you get that? Well, how many agrees it takes money to have a house? Just let me tell you, young boys, it not only takes money to have a house, but when you put a daughter and a wife in that house, somebody better have a job. Young men, the greatest way to get your fiance's mother and father to like you, get a job. Can I get a witness in Arcadia tonight? Brother Barker, he has enough money to buy a home. He has enough money to buy a parcel of ground. He has enough money to raise a family. But yet he does not have enough money to buy her help. He doesn't have enough money to buy her one more second. I don't know about you tonight, but to me this is a picture of utter despair and total desperation. He finds himself in a place where it is over his head. It is out of his hand. It's beyond his pocket. His money's not enough. His religion is not enough. His position and standing in the community is not enough. He cannot buy what she needs. He cannot merit what she needs. He cannot buy what she needs. He cannot command what she needs. This man can do two things. He can stand there and watch her die or he can swallow his pride and realize I'm not enough but I know somebody who's more than enough. He can do one or two things. He can stand there and have a funeral or he can go and get Jesus and go and get somebody that's bigger than him that's more powerful than him, that's got more than him, and his name is Jesus. Honey, that's the mandate that drove him to Jesus. And tonight, you know what? Our desperation ought to drive us to Jesus. Our burden ought to drive us to Jesus to get God to touch our babies and God to touch our churches and God to touch our land. It ought to be enough to drive us to Jesus and say, Lord, our power's not enough. Our religion's not enough. Our money's not enough. But you are more than enough the mandate that drove him to Jesus number two in the text I want you to see the mission that directed this man to Jesus brother when you see Jairus in this text he is a man on a mission my imagination I see him as he leans over that little bed and strokes her little sweaty face her fevered brow, 
looks and says something like this, Honey, daddy's not enough. Who I am, my position, my authority, my money, what I've got is not enough. I can't help you. But honey, I've heard about another daddy. I've heard about another father who has all power given unto him in heaven and earth. I've heard about another father whose earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And I've heard about another father that is so holy and divine and pure. He said, why, if you've seen me, you have seen the heavenly father. Kisses her little brow, turns his back, and walks in the opposite direction. I'm here to tell you tonight, if you're a real man, you're feeling that. You know exactly what kind of faith that must take. Because if you're a real man, you like to fix it. You like to solve it. Because you like for your wife to say, hey, Big Daddy done it again. But sometimes Big Daddy just can't get it done. And it's hard for a grown man to admit I'm whooped. You don't believe it? Remember Christmas about a month ago? Your wife ordered all them toys from Amazon and somebody in Tijuana Toho put them together and didn't put all the screws in it. About 8 o'clock, 8.30, you get the kids to go to bed and y'all gonna put Christmas together. Before you can have Christmas, 911's at your house. Because she opens that box and spreads all the contents on the floor. And she says, Frank, would you like for me to read the instructions? And you look up at me now. If you are a real man, you refuse for a woman to read you instructions. You say, baby doll. I don't need that. Turn that box just right where I can look at that picture. You'll go to your garage and get you a screwdriver and a pair of pliers and two rolls of duct tape. And I'm going to tell you one thing, brother. You give an old redneck a screwdriver and a pair of pliers and two rolls of duct tape, he'll be on the twin tires back. Why she stands there real Christ-like looking at the instructions. Big Daddy's got it. Two hours later, nothing's put together. Four hours later, nothing. Day is breaking. Rudolph is prancing on the roof. And finally, Big Daddy said, well, they just don't make them like they used to. Honey, why don't you read them instructions? And she says, I'll be glad to. And she don't read them as nice as she wanted to. Now she reads them with cadence, number one. And she's like the preacher. She goes to hacking. And boys, admit it, when you finally listen to her, this is hard. 
And when you finally listen to her and read the instructions, you get it put together. And she was right that one time. But let me warn all you men something. That one time of being right, you will never forget the one time she was right. You will be reminded of it repeatedly. Can I get a witness in the church house? We're gonna have, you ain't going to need no marriage retreat, bless God, after this revival. Divorce rate's going to go up 50%. Now, fellas, am I telling it right? You know what daddies are for. You know what granddaddies are for. You know what husbands are for. Fix stuff. Make it happen. Put it back. If you live on this earth long enough. You can't fix it all. One of the most helpless feelings you'll ever have is when one of your adult children lays in your arms and cries and says, Daddy, fix this. And Daddy can't fix that because there's some things over my head. It's out of my hand. It's beyond my pocket. My pockets are not deep enough. My back's not strong enough. My hands are not skilled enough. But I've come to tell you tonight, whoop, how about another father and another daddy? His mind is never weighed down. His hands are not heavy. His arms are not, my God, somebody help me right there. I've come to tell you there's another daddy that nothing's too hard for him and he can do what we cannot do for ourselves. Boy, I see Jarius. Son, he's a man on a mission. He will not be denied. He will not be detoured. He's headed to Jesus. I can see somebody say, Jarius. Where are you going? Now I hear him say, I'm going for God. I'm going for deity. I'm going for sovereignty. I'm going for omnipotence. I'm going for faithfulness. I'm going for mercy. I'm going for grace. I hear him say, well, how far you got to go? I hear him say, for my little girl, not too far. Well, how long is it going to take you? I hear him say, for my baby. Not too long. But boy, what all have you got to go through till you get there? And I can hear him say for my girl, not too much. How can I say for God to touch our babies and God to save our children and God to reach the next generation and God to revive the church and God to save America? It is not too far. It is not too long. It is not too much. Let's just go get a hold of God and see what God can do. Oh, you know what I love about Jarius? He knew who to go to. And he knew how to talk to him when he got there. Because when he came to where he was, now watch your King James Bible here. Don't throw it away. It's too good and too beautiful. Hold on to it. This is expressive. When he came to where Jesus was, he fell at his feet. See, mind your problem is we get up in his face. But he fell at his feet. Listen to this phrase. I read it in the text. And besought him greatly. 
That little word besought means to plead, to employ, to beg. Listen to this tonight. It literally means to pull on one's heartstrings till you get a reaction. He's not out there commanding Jesus. Can I just run a rabbit? These people on the radio and TV talk about prayer. When you pray, you command the Lord. Who ever heard of a lump of clay commanding a potter? Who ever heard a private commanding a captain? Who ever heard a sheep commanding a shepherd? Who ever heard of a woman command? I'm just here to tell you tonight, we don't command the Lord, we beg the Lord. Besought him greatly. He said, I need you to come. Oh, I love that. I need you to come. Everybody but you's been. Nobody's changed anything. But you. If you will come. Brother, when I saw this, man, if I was a Methodist, I believe I'd have to get sprinkled again. He said, if you will come and lay your hands he didn't say, come and look at her. He didn't say, come and speak to her. He said, come and lay your hands on her. There was something about the hands of Jesus that had birthed faith in Jairus' heart. What about the hands of Jesus could have birthed such faith? Well, I've already told you he's a ruler of the synagogue. The Old Testament has been read in his hearing thousands of times. And he has read what God can do with that hand. With that hand, thumped out stars. With that hand, hung clouds. With that hand, he parted oceans. With that hand, he shielded Moses in the cleft of the rock. With that hand, he shielded the Hebrew boys from the fire and padlocked the jaws of the Lord have mercy. With that hand, made the sun stand still. Woo! And you got to understand, he's been watching that hand. He's been watching them hands. He has watched that hand touch a blind man and make him see, and a lame man and make him walk, and a deaf man and make him heal, and a dumb man and make him speak, and a leprous man and make him clean. Why, he's even seen him touch the casket of a dead boy, and he got raised up from the dead. He just realized there's nothing in my life I can't put in the Savior's hand. You realize a transaction's taking place now. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, she's 12 years old. And for 12 years, she's been in daddy's hands. For 12 years, he's rocked her and consoled her and provided with his hands. But now daddy realizes his hands are not big enough. So literally what he does in this text, after 12 years, oh God, of holding her in his hands, he now puts her in the Savior's hand. Can I tell you something tonight? The greatest day in your life and the greatest day in the life of those you're praying for 
is when you take them out of your hands and you put them in the Savior's hand. And isn't it good to know tonight it's in the Savior's hand. Hallelujah, it's in his hands tonight. Come and lay thy hands on her and she'll live. And I love the reaction, the response. And Jesus went with him. And I've come all the way from Jonesburg, Georgia on this Tuesday night on Highway 150, downtown Arcadia, N.C. To tell you, it is no secret what God can do. But what he done for Jarius, he'll do for you. It said he went with him. He went with him. And he'll go home with you tonight. He'll go home with you tonight. He'll visit your young'uns tonight. He'll visit your babies tonight. He'll visit your community tonight. He'll visit your church tonight. He'll visit America tonight. He'll go with us if we'll go lay hold of him by faith. I'm lastly tonight. The mandate that drove him to Jesus, the mission that directed him to Jesus, but notice now the miracle that delighted this man in Jesus. He got what he went for. I take that back. He got more than what he went for. Because he said, just touch her. But he got a double blessing. Jesus walked into that house. Leaned over that little girl. Woo! And got her by the right hand. He touched her. But he did more than that. He spoke to her. And set her eyes. I don't know what denomination Jairus and them were before. But verse 35 down, I know what they are. They Baptist man. Because the Bible said that little girl got up and walked and they gave her something to eat. God's people love singing. God's people love preaching. God's people love shouting. And God's people love eating. Can I get an amen right there? And by the way, the last time I read the last book, we're going to celebrate God's salvation by being at the marriage supper of the Lamb of God. Because it's celebrating time when you get a hold of God and God gets a hold of you. Closing illustration. I see Jairus, he's got Jesus. They're headed to his house. Brother Mike, in my mind's eye, I can hear Jairus say, hold on, baby daddy's coming. Hold on, baby daddy's coming. Before they can get up in the house, here comes one of them naysayers, one of them knotheads. It's too late, she's dead. I will not. Hang around this crowd that says old-time religion is dead and we can't have revival. You go somewhere else with that. I'm going to tell you what Gomer told Barney. Go up in the alley and holler fish. Shazam. God can still move in our generation. God can still let the power come. God can still build a church in a godless society. God's not dead. The Bible's not dead. The Holy Ghost is not dead. And the blood's not. My God, somebody just go get a hold of him. 
He said, oh, just watch. And while they're trying to get to where Jairus' daughter and his family is, here comes that woman. I would say this, but I don't want to kill the meeting. Ain't it just like a woman to interrupt the best plans? I got it from him. He told She presses through that crowd, touches the hem of the garments. She touches Jesus, and Jesus touches her. Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? And just like him disciples, what do you mean? All these people, who touched That little girl, that little woman raises her hand. She said it was me. Can I tell you why? Now, all of a sudden, Jairus just stands here and watches Jesus and that woman have the most amazing conversation he ever heard. He says, tell me. And she looks at Jesus and said, while well, I've been sick with an infirmity for 12 years. Honey, I believe when that woman said 12 Jarius turned a backflip. Because that's how old his daughter is. And I believe it said in his heart, wow, if he can heal a woman that's been sick for 12, he can heal a little girl that's been alive for 12. Evidently, 12 ain't no big deal. Can I say tonight, neither is 1,200, 12,000, 12 million, 12 billion, and I can't go beyond that. And then all of a sudden, Jesus looks at that woman and he says something to her he only says three other times in that King James Bible. He looked at that woman and said, Daughter, honey, when Jesus called her daughter, I believe Jairus went, Wow, he's got one too. He knows how I feel. I believe if he can heal his daughter, he can heal mine. I used to worry about my kids. I still worry about the kids. Now I worry about my grandkids. And I used to, the devil used to really bother me Brother Barker, every Monday morning on my way to the airport or up 77 or 75 or 85, and I'd hear this voice. Go on up there, big boy, flaming evangelist. Go on and preach all over. Help everybody else's family. Help everybody else's kids. I'd see yours go to hell. Word me, man. I was supposed to preach over here in the east coast of North Carolina. One Sunday night, my phone rang. It's the preacher. He said, Brother Joe, I can't explain this, but the Holy Spirit told me to tell you, don't come up here tomorrow and preach. Wait till Tuesday. I said, Preacher, I got to get, he said, I know you got to get a plane ticket changed. We got money. Holy Ghost said, you stay home. Okay. So I went in there, told my wife, I said, I'm off tomorrow. I'm going to be home all day. Here's what she said. Oh, no, something bad's going to happen. Every time you're home, something bad. I got a complex. Y'all pray for me. Nothing bad happened. Something good happened. 
I rarely got to put my kids to bed and tuck them in and pray with them. But I got to tuck old Bubba, old Joseph in that night, pray with him. And I got ready to leave the room and he started crying. I'm going to tell you about a little redneck boy. When he starts crying, his girlfriend broke up with him or his gun misfired or somebody run over his dog. I said, what's wrong with you, boy? He'd heard Tom Farrell preach the Friday before that. He said, Daddy, I need a Bible reason to know that I'm saved. I can't go to heaven because you're my daddy. I need a Bible reason to know. I said, are you under conviction, boy? Yes, sir. I said, you want to be saved? Yes, sir. I said, when? He said, now. I said, get in there and call on God. You know much about it as I do. Old Bubba called on the Lord. God save my Bubba. God save my boy. I don't know. He may go to jail before it's over. But I know one thing. He ain't going to hell. He may still break his daddy and his mama's heart someday. I hope not. But if he does, he ain't going to hell. God save my Bubba. Two years later, I was preaching for you at the camp meeting at Northwood. I had Dale Vance with me and another young preacher. And after church that night, we went down to the Burger King. You know, we used to go to the Burger King. You say, why do you go to McDonald's? Why eat with the clown when you can eat with the king? That ought to be a sign sold at Cracker Barrel for $100. You may not remember this, Brother Barker, but my phone rang, and it was my wife, and she's squalling. Julie's a strong girl, and when something, I said, what is it? She said, your daughter. Have you ever noticed that, guys, when they're getting on a roll and things are going great, your wife says, our children, and then when something's wrong, they get, your daughter. Hey, honey, they still yours. I will admit, though, they have his blood. That's the problem. I'm telling you, you ain't going to need that marriage retreat five more minutes in this sermon. I said, what's wrong? She said, your daughter. She won't go to bed. She won't go to sleep. She's walking the floor. She's afraid she's going to die and go to hell tonight. She's under deep conviction, honey. And I didn't mean it to say this. I, I was just told. I said, well, you claim to be a Christian leader to the Lord. That wasn't the right thing to say. My wife does more than claim to be a Christian. I don't care what somebody else said about her. She's a godly woman, and she dresses right, too, all the time. I said, talk to her, pray with her. She said, I'd love to, but she won't. I said, call Brother Inslee, call Brother Jerry, call one of the deacons, call the assistant pastor. She said, she won't talk to nobody but her daddy. Well, do you think I said, well, honey, I gotta, I gotta, I'll be home sometime Saturday. Oh, no. I ran in that Burger King. I said, Brother Barker, I'll be back by church time tomorrow night by the help of God. And I said to Dale Vance and another young preacher, I said, how long has it been since y'all been to Atlanta? Been a while. I said, we're going right now. Some had gotten that van, put her down with the hammer down, rolled into Jonesboro about 4 o'clock in the morning. Baby girl was waiting up on me. Oh, it didn't take long. By 4.15, she was in the family. 
I slept an hour or two and got me a shower and got back in that van. Whoop, started back up 85, and all of a sudden I realized somebody was missing. Somebody was missing, and it wasn't them two young preachers. It was that low-down devil. Every other day, he rode up that car with me and said, they'll go to hell. I'll make sure they go to hell, but he wasn't nowhere to be found. So I thought I'd call him up. And I said, hey, devil, you done lied again. God save my babies. I want to tell you if it feels any better one Sunday morning when Papa was preaching and God were to say one of my grand youngins, my God, I'll have to swap denominations. Just say amen. I'm going to tell you tonight if God can save my babies, he can save your babies. He's in the saving business. He's in the daughter business, the son business, the mama business, the daddy business. He's in the saving business. And I'm closing tonight and I promise you is there anybody in your life, is there anybody in your world that you love enough to go get God for? You tried everything you know to try. You said everything you know to say. But won't you quit trying and won't you quit talking and go to praying and get a hold of God? Let God get a hold of them. Is there anybody in your life you love enough to go get God for? I'm glad you can go home with you tonight. Let's stand together. Lord, we love you. I never cease to be amazed at such a story tucked in this little text. How a man went and got a hold of you. You got a hold of him. Father, will you get a hold of America tonight? Our churches, our families, the next generation. God, we're not enough in our power and our abilities and our financial assets. But Lord, there's no boundaries and borders and limits of what you can do tonight. We love you, Lord. We're asking and we're seeking. And we're knocking. And I believe when we leave tonight, we're going to find, we're going to open, we're going to receive. We love you now in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. While she's playing tonight, he'll go home with you. He'll meet your need. He's able to do exceeding abundant above all. That's your ask or think. God has no respect to persons. God's not picky who he saves. He'll save any and all. Boy, I'm glad I believe that. I'm glad I believe that. He'll save any and all who call upon his name. Get a hold of him tonight.